right, and we are back to once again explore faith and pursue grace. I am Lee Grant. This is Kevin Vendergrass. And on this episode, we are going to talk about something interesting. Hopefully all of our episodes are interesting, but this one is especially interesting to me. It deals with a verse that I loved to quote way back in the day. And it's first Corinthians four and six, how, and in this passage, the apostle Paul writing of the church in Corinth says that in us, you ought to learn not to go beyond what is written. And anytime I would get into a scriptural discussion with somebody or more like an argument with somebody where I wanted to win rather than learn or expand my own horizons, I would trot this little chestnut out and I would say that you see right here, we can only use what is written. You're going to all these other resources and everything else. Well, we only need to stick with what the Bible says. And if you do anything other than what the Bible says, or which should mean, anything other than what I believe the Bible says going beyond what is written. And that is completely inappropriate. It's not something any Christian has any right to do. You can only do what the Bible says. And of course that meant what I believe the Bible said. So um, this is something that you have written about before Kevin. And it's, it's something that is most, most of our audience has probably heard this passage stated in similar terms, coupled with Nadab and Abihu, coupled with Uzzah, coupled with all of these other things. We have to do exactly what God says to do. We can't think beyond what is written. If we do, we do so to our peril. Yes. Yeah. First Corinthians 4, 6 was definitely in my uh, arsenal of verses that I would use when I was talking about the importance of just sticking to the Bible. So a scripture that it's, it's the only the, the canon of the New Testament is our authority today for Christian living and to go beyond that, to go to any other text, to try and utilize anything else as authoritative or instructional is simply sinful because Paul clearly states that we are not to go beyond that which is written. And so 1 Corinthians 4, 6 is a passage that is usually quoted without much context. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weaponized passage, which if people have been listening to this podcast long enough, they'll realize that you and I knew how to weaponize the Bible. Oh, yes. I think you were better at it than I was. I mean, I think my rank in that was probably the same as my rank in jiu-jitsu, a purple belt. You were probably a black belt with four or five stripes on your belt at <laughs> weaponizing scripture, brother. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's not a good thing. You know, that's that's, no, no, that's, not def- that's definitely uh, nothing that, that I am proud of. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I look back and I'm very ashamed of. But it is very common. It was the way that I was taught to look at scripture. I'm, that's not my way of getting around it. I mean, I... I owned it myself, but that is the way that I was conditioned to look at Scripture. But 1 Corinthians 4, 6 is one of those passages that people just automatically have asked me, well, what do you do with 1 Corinthians 4, 6? I mean, isn't the Bible clear? And this passage usually gets brought up when I talk about uh, how the, the New Testament and the Bible as a whole includes trajectories that are meant to progress past the isolated words of the literal text itself. So when we read the Bible, we see that it is not an invariably definitive fixed book on every issue. That throughout, from especially from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's very clear that a lot of things change. And one reason is because cultures change, civilizations change, knowledge changes. 
uh, c- civilizations grow smarter sometimes. Sometimes they they, <laughs> they don't grow so smart, you know, and they, they don't go in the direction they need to go. But we always see that the Bible is is fluid. Now, that doesn't mean that there are not absolutes within Scripture, but when we look at a lot of practices, when we look at a lot of rituals, when we see what the Bible has to say about certain topics, they're very culturally positive or they're very situationally restricted. And so we shouldn't go to the Bible to, 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 to look for objective answers to all of our questions because, number one, the Bible doesn't always answer our questions. In fact, in large part, I would say it doesn't even address a lot of the specific issues that we're dealing with today because we're 2000 years removed. We're living in a different, on a different continent, different culture, different situations, different worldviews and so on and so forth. So to try to go to the Bible and shoehorn our culture into the Bible or try to take the Bible and shoehorn it into our culture, you know, either way, we're doing a great disservice to the Bible. So whenever I talk about how the Bible is meant to progress beyond the isolated words and that the Bible is fluid, 1 Corinthians 4, 6 is usually the first verse that people, uh, you know, throw my way. Well, what do you do with this? Paul says, do not go beyond what is written. And so what is going on here? What is actually the context of this passage? And I used to use this verse, as we just talked about, in the same way. So why did I change? Well, first of all, I changed because I studied the Bible within context. Uh, (laughs) Funny how that happens, doesn't it? People always ask, well, why did you change on so many issues? And I said, well, first of all, most of those issues I never had a choice to to believe in to begin with. That was just what I was told to believe. So, you know, a, a lot of these things I was conditioned to believe. And so I finally started being able to study for myself and making my own decisions. But mostly just because I started studying the Bible in context. That's why I have changed on so many different topics is because I I started studying the Bible according to the way it functions and not the way that I want it to function or not the way that I was trained to understand the Bible to behave. And so, first of all, we had to look at the context. But when we look at 1 Corinthians 4, 6, this is the the proposition or, or, or the, the argument that is usually given. First Corinthians four, six teaches that you cannot go outside of scripture. Specifically, usually the new Testament is how I always argued it. I don't know if you argued it that way. Yes, I did. Um, I, I argued it the same way. I would say you can't think beyond what is written. And right here, Paul's writing. He's telling you what not to go beyond, learning us to not think beyond what is written. So you see, we have Paul writing to this church in Corinth saying, follow our example. Don't think beyond anything that I write to you. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the idea. And then that includes the rest of the New Testament canon. And I know you're going to get into that later. And it, yeah, that's that's the statement that I would make. Never mind the multivocality of the Bible, as our good friend Dr. Grant Testu has discussed on this podcast before. Never mind all of that. Yeah. No, this is no. The Bible is concrete. It is absolute. It is monolithic. It is ever unchanging. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Don't yeah. think beyond what is written. Yeah, so what do you what do you do with 1 Corinthians 4 6 then? And what does that actually mean? And so yeah. first of all, let's let's address the the argument. 
and the the assumption that First Corinthians four six is talking about the canon of the Bible. It's talking about the text. It's 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 saying that you can never go outside of Scripture to gain knowledge or information or to to find anything that is instructive. Everything is within Scripture, and to to go beyond that would be a sin. Um, yeah. I, I I'm going to just make this statement up front. I do not believe it has anything to do with that. <laughs> and, and, I, and I hope I demonstrate quite convincingly why. Uh, at least it's convinced. I'm convinced through the study. And by the way, it wasn't as if I was going to 1 Corinthians 4, 6 to say, well, how can I get this to say something else? I was not yeah. even studying with within that idea. It was simply doing a contextual study of the book of 1 Corinthians 4. And I thought, wow. This has nothing to do with what I always thought it was addressing and, and what I thought it was talking about. So well, you studied that deeply. I have not. So I'm really, really interested to hear what you say about this. This is going to so, be fun. Well, so first of all, that conclusion would be very problematic if he's talking about the New Testament canon for, for a couple reasons. The New Testament canon was not even compiled together at this time, and it would not be compiled together until several hundred years after the original apostles died. And a, a lot of the New Testament at this time, uh, even the, the, the books that made it into the New Testament canon, would have not been compiled at this time. So if we are to, to, to take a literal approach and, and say that's what Paul's talking about, then anything after that, we would say we can't listen to. Because that would be going beyond what is written. Now, some yeah. say, well, that, that would, though, include Paul's letters. Okay, well, what about the book of Revelation? What about Jude? What about James? What about these books that were written later than 1 Corinthians that were not written by Paul and that were included in the New Testament canon? Yes, they were written um, before you know, most pretty much all scholars definitely will conclude all of the New Testament books were written but before 120 CE, but a lot even believe they were written before 100 or 95 CE, but they were not included in the canon. The canon was not put together until several hundred years later. And so would the original audience have thought Paul was talking about a canon, a collection of books that not only had, had yet to be written, but yet to be compiled? Would yeah. that have would that have made sense to and, and this is how it would go, Lee. I do not want you to go beyond the letters that I'm writing you are the letters that I will write, are the letters that other inspired people will write, that one day, several hundred years after you die, will be compiled together into one volume called the New Testament. Do not go beyond all those things that are going to be written in that in that canon. Well, and it, it doesn't make any sense at all. And it, it doesn't even take it. And the other question would be, okay, well then which canon? Because you have Marcion who's promoting one canon. You have another um, early church father who's, who's promoting another canon. You have different people that are promoting different canons and the canon wasn't even settled until five or 600 years yeah, well, well, even, after everything. And even now yeah. no, there's, there's disagreement on well, what's even, in the canon. Even if you grant the closed canon, even if you, even if you say that, you know, Paul was, was talking about the futuristic closed canon that we ended up having called the new Testament, uh, that the apostles didn't put together, but that wasn't put together until hundreds of years later into one volume, then, and, and by the way, I think the canon we have is definitely a, a right and reasonable 
canon. So I'm not I don't I'm not trying to confuse anybody out there when we talk about the canon of the New Testament. We do need to have someone on. There's a couple of friends of mine who um, who are professors and they specifically teach of how we got the New Testament, how we got the Old Testament, how we got the canons, why we yes, got that would be awesome. And, and, and may, we can have them. In fact, I've spoken to one of them and he said he'd be more than happy to come on. Um, in fact, just remind me now. I know we're talking about this on air, but remind me because <laughs> I, in fact, I'm going to write a note right now because he said that uh, let him know um, during the summer when he could come on because since he teaches throughout the year. So this would be a perfect time to have him on. Fantastic. Uh, but all that said, the, the point is, is even granted that we've got the right New Testament canon and all those types of things, it wasn't around during that time. So it would, it's very, it would be a very hard case to make to say that this is what Paul was referring to. He was referring to something that they didn't even have that was not even completely written, even the letters that were included in the New Testament, and much less all compiled into the New Testament canon. That would be really hard sell to say that's what Paul was saying, because it wouldn't have any application. But moreover, here is where the rubber meets the road. Scripture itself includes many quotes and allusions from a lot, and I mean a lot, of extra-biblical are what has been called non-canonical uh, books and writings. And by the way, this is, uh, I, I talk about this in my new book too. I, people think I'm making this stuff up. Like people just think, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not actually writing a book. Every time we talk about a topic, I just say, oh yeah, this is going to be in my book. No guys, for real, he's telling the truth. I have his it. book. I'm reading it. It's this, Trust me, it's in the book. This is a footnote in my book, but it is in my book. <laughs> I do address 1 Corinthians 4, 6 in my book because I talk about trajectorial accommodation. And this is one of 1 Corinthians 4, 6 is, you know, I, I try to anticipate objections throughout my book because that's how I think as a, as a former debate or formal debate, former formal debater, I always try to anticipate, and, yeah, anticipate, you know, well, what would my questions be? And I, and I try to at least address those to some extent. So, the point I'm making here, though, is that Scripture includes a lot of quotes and allusions from these extra-biblical books, and there's a lot of them. I mean, you have the Acts of Solomon, you have the books of the Wars of the Lord, you have the book of Jasher, you have um, the, the, the book of Isaiah, which isn't the same as the book of Isaiah. It's uh, sometimes called the Martyrdom of Isaiah. I mean, there's so many extra books in both the Old and the New Testaments that are either alluded to, that are not canonical books, or they are directly quoted, or instructive information or educational information is actually taken from those books and used as authoritative within Scripture. Yeah. And so when you consider, just consider this for a moment. In fact, um, one of, one of the, the points that, that I want to bring up is the amount of times. This doesn't just happen once or twice. But there this happens even in the New Testament. It's argued that there's over 130 quotations or allusions to extra biblical texts. Yeah. <laughs> and and by the way, Paul himself does this. Um Paul actually you does this quite often. And there are there's just so many times this is done it would take us hours to go through. Um, all of, of the different examples. But here's the point that I want to make. Since it was not uncommon 
for biblical writers to pull from non-canonical materials and use them as authoritative sources, Paul certainly could have not been condemning this well-known practice because this is something that he himself did. (laughs) Think about that. Think about that for a moment. If Paul was saying you cannot pull from any sources outside of Scripture to make a spiritual point or to glean information or wisdom or to utilize in your decision-making, then he would be condemning himself, much yeah. less all the other authors, I mean, of Scripture. I mean, he, he, that, that's nonsensical to think that Paul's saying, don't go beyond Scripture, don't study beyond Scripture. It is, it is crazy when you understand how much the Bible uses extra-biblical material, and then to say Paul was condemning that practice. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is Peter, the most outspoken of the apostles, and Jude, or Judas, Jude, Jesus's brother. They both quote from First Enoch, a pseudepiphical book, a book that yeah. was held in high regard by the Jews, a book that was held in high regard by those who studied and debated the Hebrew scriptures. It was apparently held in regard, and Peter was aware of it. Jude was aware of it. We may do an episode on that in the future. It's one of those weird topics, but I like it. I'm interested in that currently. But, you know, they referenced that. That's not even in the Hebrew Scriptures. That is that is a non-canonical book. To say that Paul would say this, and if this means you learn in us not to think, what beyond, not to think beyond what is written, I'm getting tongue-tied here, that would naturally condemn Peter. That would naturally condemn Jude. And it, it doesn't make sense for that to be the case. Yeah, and uh, Paul also, in Second Timothy, he alludes to the so-called sorcerers who were supposed, you know, who who Moses opposed or who opposed Moses, and and that actually once again comes from extra biblical sources. Um, these are other books, and he just pulls from that. Paul even quotes uh, when he's talking to um, when he's when he's writing to Titus. And he's talking about the the Cretans, and he talks about how even one of their own poets has talked about how they're all lazy and and, and lazy he's, and gluttons. He's he's pulling yes, he's pulling from other source material. I mean, this happens all the time. And I just now pulled up. There's so many sources. I mean, I have them here. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them, but the Acts of Solomon. Um, the book of Samuel the seer, the book of Nathan the prophet, the book of Gad the seer, um, the book of the kings of Judah and Israel, the story of the book of the kings, the uh, the vision of Isaiah, the acts of the kings of Israel, the sayings of the seers, the laments of Josiah. I mean, there, there's so many. All of these are extra canonical books, and they are quoted in the Old and new testaments <laughs> yeah. and it did different ones. And then in addition to that, people are, are quoting other prophets. People are quoting sources from other religions or sources that other people would have been familiar with. And they're bringing that information in to build up a case for why they should or shouldn't do something. And so was it a common practice to go outside of the canon? And people could say, well, wait a minute, Kevin, didn't you say that there was no such thing as a New Testament canon during that time? Yes, but what there was is a Old Testament canon that had been settled in the Septuagint, which, by the way, includes <laughs> it, it, it includes the Apocrypha books. That's why the Roman Catholics uh, have extra—you know, people say, why do the Roman Catholics have extra books 
in their in their Bible in their Old Testament. Well, the Septuagint included those books, and most of the Jews believed that those books were included in the canon, and those were not; those were actually taken out. The real question is, why do Protestants not have those books in their Bibles? Not why do the Catholics have those books? Those books had always been in the Bible. It wasn't until later with the Reformation, those books started being taken out. Anyway, that, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other itself. podcast, man. But, Number uh, one, add to the list. But, but, but the point is, is that... There are all these books, all these books that are quoted from, uh, alluded to, arguments being made. And so there's no way, no way Paul would be making the argument that it's wrong to go outside of, of, the, of the Old Testament canon or even the writings of the apostles. Because Paul himself was going outside the writings of the apostles, even within his own writings. <laughs> but here, here's the irony in all this, okay? Stay with me, Lee, on this. I'll try. If, <laughs> even if 1 Corinthians 4, 6 was saying that you cannot go beyond Scripture, thus you cannot do anything unscriptural, if Scripture goes beyond scripture, then it is not unscriptural to go beyond scripture. Yeah. Did, did you follow me on that? Yeah. Okay. So, so in, in other words, even if someone tries to make the case, first Corinthians four, six is saying, well, yeah. Okay. Maybe Paul's not saying you can't go beyond the text itself, but Paul's saying you can't be unscriptural. Okay. But it's not unscriptural to have a fluid hermeneutic, and it's not unscriptural to go to other source material to bring in and correlate that with the text itself of Scripture. That's not, a, that's not an unscriptural practice. If it was an unscriptural practice, then Paul was being unscriptural by bringing in text and <laughs> sayings and quotes that are outside of the text. I followed that, but I know we're going to have listeners wondering who's on first. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, dude, you're exactly right. I mean, if First Corinthians 4 and 6 is saying you can't think beyond any, you, you can't be unscriptural, you can't think beyond Scripture, and yet you see the biblical authors going beyond Scripture, it is therefore not wrong to go beyond Scripture. Yeah. In because fact, they do it themselves. In fact, it's very biblical, Yes. It would be very biblical to go outside the Bible in order to better understand the Bible. Exactly. Let me let me say that one more time. It's very scriptural because this is going to freak some of our listeners out. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean? It's very scriptural to go outside of the Bible in order to better understand the Bible or to make a point about the Bible. How do we know that? Because multiple biblical authors, including Paul himself, did so. Yes. <laughs> no, agreed 100%. Well, my question to you then would be if it if that is not what it's talking about, what is 1 Corinthians 4 and 6 talking about? If that's not what it means, yeah. what does it mean? Yeah, so it has to mean something, right? It's it's yeah. and, and and that's why in debate I always loved uh, negating positions. I always, I, I, you know, being in the affirmative is not as fun. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's a lot easier to be in the negative because you can go in and, and you can just tear down arguments and make them seem foolish and silly. But once we've done that, well, then what is first Corinthians four, six talking about? If it's not saying 
that you you should you know if if it's not saying that it's wrong to go outside of any uh, canonical books, if it's saying that if it's not saying that if that's okay to go outside of scripture and pull from other source material, if it's saying it's okay to uh, to to allow material other than this other than scripture to help us better understand God in the scriptures, then what is it saying? Because it's saying something. Paul's telling them not to go beyond that which is written. Well, what's he talking about? So within context, in fact, I want to I'm just going to go ahead and pull this up here so I can read it. One of the biggest issues in the church in Corinth is that there was a lot of division. Yeah. And Paul just starts starts really I mean he at the very beginning of his letter after he gives his typical you know thank you and and I love everybody and and to the holy church in Corinth and all this you know he gets right into talking about the division and what is the division over well the division is over which leader should you be following and he starts in verse 10 he says i appeal to you brothers and sisters in the name of our lord jesus christ that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought my brothers and sisters some from chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you what i mean is this one of you says i follow paul another i follow apollos another i follow peter or cephas still another i follow christ is christ divided was paul crucified for you were you baptized in the name of paul and then he continues to go on this same thread of thought his point is is that there were a lot of followers of Christianity who were divided over what earthly followers they should be listening to. Should they be listening to Peter? Should they be listening to Apollos? Should they be listening to Paul? Who And even Paul, I like how Paul includes himself in this because he's basically saying, you, you guys, I'm not Christ. You know, I didn't <laughs> die for you. I was not crucified. It, you know, you were not crucified or you were not baptized in my name. I didn't die for you. I wasn't crucified for you. And so, you know, Paul's even putting himself in this to say, "Don't don't think of me more so than you than you all." You know, I'm I'm no better. I'm just a human. I'm just a messenger. Jesus is who you follow. We are all but mere disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's that's what Paul starts with is, is First Corinthians chapter one. It's a big issue going on. Yeah. Well, if you if you continue reading, and then we come to First Corinthians chapter four, which. A lot of people who quote for I don't say a lot of people. Some people who quote First Corinthians four six, including myself for many years, could have not me. Told, could have not told you what the context of First Corinthians four six is. I Paul, still can't. I'm about to learn what it is. So. <laughs> so Paul starts. You know, they didn't have chapter divisions like like we have them in our Bibles. But for the sake of of what what is supposed to be for the sake of clarity and uh, kind of streamlining these letters. Chapters have been added, so I'll start with chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul says, This is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or any other human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing. Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself 
and Apollos. What does he apply to him and sell to himself and Apollos? What's he talking about here? That you need to regard us as nothing more than servants of Christ. Don't look at us, even though we're leaders. Yes, we're leaders. We're we're apostles. Don't look at us, though, beyond being simply ministers of the gospel. I've applied this exact same truth even to me and even to Apollos. So that you may learn from us the meaning of this saying, do not go beyond what is written. In doing so, you will no longer become puffed up in being a follower of one of us against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? (laughs) Paul here is talking about esteeming one person or one leader or one teacher or one rabbi even higher than another. And he's saying that, I'm telling you, I've written to you, do not do this. Do not go beyond what I am telling you when it comes to who you listen to, to your teachers. Yes, Peter's a great apostle. Don't think beyond what is written, though. Don't think of him beyond simply a servant of Christ. What is Paul talking about? What he is writing in regards to how they should view their church leaders. Don't think, yeah, don't think beyond what I just told you about this. Don't think anything more of them than what we just laid out here. Exactly. And why? And, you know, this never made sense to me with my old view because in the same verse, um, you know, or, or within the same verse, he actually says, or I'm sorry, the verse, yeah, it is in the same verse. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one uh, of, of us over against the other. Well, how in the world... Does that make any sense with my former view? Like, why would that cause one person to be puffed up? Keep in mind, most people couldn't read during this time anyway, and the New Testament wasn't even written. Most of it wasn't even written. So how that doesn't even make any sense. How would that have caused people to be puffed up against one another? Huh, I'm not going beyond the Bible, but you are. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, I'm going beyond I'm going beyond a canon I don't even have. Oh wow. So, so whatever is happening, it is already occurring. They are becoming puffed up one against another. It wasn't because one was claiming that, well, we're going beyond the New Testament canon that is yet to be written and that is yet to be compiled and will will be for our great, 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 great grandchildren, but it's causing us to be puffed up right now. Doesn't make any sense. What was causing them to be puffed up is they were esteeming one leader over another, and Paul wrote to them not to do that. And so Paul said, don't go beyond what I've told you about these leaders. Don't think that that leader is any more authoritative than the next leader. And Paul even lumps himself into this. Paul even includes himself in this. He's saying, don't think that, you know, don't think of me beyond what I'm telling you to think. Don't think of me beyond a servant of Christ. If you think of any of us beyond a servant of Christ, you've gone beyond that which I've told you to do. That's what Paul's talking about. It has nothing to do with sola scripture. It has nothing to do with the canon of the New Testament. It has nothing to do with going to outside sources or going to commentaries or any of that. It's talking about esteeming teachers higher than a servant of Christ. Dude, that's wild. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, whenever whenever you think about it in those terms that you just laid out, whenever you think about it in terms and you compare those two perspectives together in terms of the canon 
it doesn't make sense because it'd be like Paul, you know, or thinking that somehow we can read the Bible and it's going to tell us what kind of car we need to drive. And we're misappropriating that verse that says that they were all in one accord. So I guess that means we can only drive a Honda Accord. It, it, to me now, that perspective is just as nonsensical as thinking we should all just drive a Honda Accord because the Bible says they were all in one accord. It doesn't make any sense at all, but it, it dude, the context of that's perfect. That makes perfect sense. Why is it that we miss that? Like, why is it that 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 context eludes us and that verse is so misappropriated and abused? Well, I, I think one reason is because we've been conditioned yeah. uh, to do so, and we often don't challenge or question that which we've been taught as truth. So, if if that's what we've been taught to believe, then it, it you know it works. If something was working for us and we're not ever challenged, we don't think to question it. Um, but I, another reason, and and I, I do actually spend a good part of one of my chapters talking about the inspiration of Scripture and what is inspiration. How do we define inspiration? You know, there's no doubt the Bible claims um, that Scripture is inspired by God, but what does that mean? What does inspiration looks like? And uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to like. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil my book. You know, I want. I want people to buy it. But um, <laughs> when it comes to even the idea of sola scripture, the idea that you know you're not you you just you have to use the Bible, and when you believe that, then these these cherry picked verses they work for you. You know, yeah. it's this. It's the same reason why in the churches of Christ, I was taught and you were taught to use Second John nine. Is kind of this cover-all passage that, well, if you use more than one container, you're going beyond the gospel of Christ. If you're if you're using instrumental music, you're going beyond the gospel of Christ. If you have a praise team, you're going. In other words, you're not really engaging with the text. You're simply just regurgitating and robotically giving an answer without having to actually engage the challenge that someone is is presenting you. Um, you know, you just kind of fall back on. Well, the Bible says that we're not to go beyond that which is written. And so, you know, I, I just I just think that, you know, anything you say that that is not book, chapter and verse, well, that that's going beyond what is written, which is so which is so silly because we all first and foremost, even people who press that literally, everyone goes beyond the isolated text when it comes to trying to understand and apply it. I mean, we have to. It's essential. We do uh, other. I mean, otherwise, you're not actually able to read the Bible within context if you don't go outside of Scripture to better understand Scripture. That's why it's important to realize how often these non uh, canonical books are part of Scripture, because these writers oftentimes had to go outside the text in order to make sense of what they were saying. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, you know, when they, when they were quoting things that were going on in the Old Testament, we're going to talk about the, you know, uh, the, the, the book of Jaser here, or Jasser, or J- goodness. Jasher. Jasher, yeah. yeah we're, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to go outside and talk about all these different books, or we're going to bring in, you know, all, all you know, we're, we're going to talk about what do the Cretans say about themselves. We're going to bring that in so that I can make a stronger point. They were doing that all the time. And when, when you look at passages like 1 Corinthians 4, 6, I, Lee, have you ever heard of the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy? Yes. Okay, so you know that is where most conservative fundamentalists uh, have adopted their view of inspiration of Scripture, infallibility, and those types of things. And I get into to where all that comes from and how that developed um, and how that's a very modern idea. And one of the reasons why for people love 1 Corinthians 4, 6 is because— 
it is one of those passages that you can slap on a meme. You can put on. It's you, a bumper you know, sticker. You, you, yeah, you can quote, and it sounds it sounds really good. It's like like you know Paul says, "Do not think beyond what is written." So that's why we only go to the Bible for our answers. Anything outside the Scripture, we don't include. We don't think we we should anything else is authoritative outside of the Bible. Uh, for for spiritual matters and for dealing with with truth with scriptural truth, everything is has to be scripture, and and the, so that sounds good. So people already have their mind made up of what they know they have to prove, and I do the same. You know, we all do the same thing. That's why we have to be honest and and try to to admit our biases and then try to do the best we can to to work around those because we all like to do that. We all like to have our minds made up and then go find verses that support that instead of saying. Well, let's see what the Bible says and then come to our conclusions. But, you know, 1 Corinthians 4, 6, here's another little caveat, too, I want to bring up. Because some people will say, okay, but isn't this still, you know, Paul, isn't Paul still technically writing about Scripture? I mean, because 1 Corinthians, he was writing Scripture. So would the principle, and this is where you'll hear people say, well, isn't the principle? Sure, Paul in context is talking about what he wrote regarding not elevating leaders over other leaders, sure, but it's still scripture Paul is Paul is talking about because that's what he wrote. And is the principle not there? Well, no. <laughs> and, and 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 here's here's why. When Paul talks about, first of all, First Corinthians four says nothing about scripture. <laughs> you know, yeah. this, this, this is this, this is this is something we have to we have to think about too. Paul, 1 Corinthians 4 doesn't say anything about Scripture. But the times within the book of Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, when Paul does talk about Scripture, every single time, do you know what he's talking about when he's talking about the writings? He's talking about the Old Testament, bro. Old Testament. So once again, if you're going to take that view, then the principle would be anything that you teach that that is contradictory to the Old Testament is going outside and beyond what is written and therefore sin. So we, we have to still follow the Old Testament. Oh no, no, you know, we we no, we 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 can we can go up, we can do that. We've got a new covenant. Well, okay then. If Paul then can relate to scripture and talk about scripture, but go beyond scripture in not the sense of First Corinthians 4, because as I said, that's not even what he's talking about, but go beyond it in the sense of bringing in extra material, bringing in outside sources, non-canonical materials then no, we cannot say as a principle that would be wrong because whatever we say that means, it cannot contradict, um, if we believe that Scripture is inspired, it cannot contradict the fact that throughout all of Scripture, they bring in outside sources. And it wouldn't make any sense to say Paul was condemning a practice that was that was not uncommon and that was something he himself participated in. Agreed 100%, man. And to me... This application is so much more related to the transformation of the heart that God calls us to have. Yeah. I mean, the idea of not thinking beyond what is written in terms of just doing strictly what the Bible says and only going by the Bible and everything that we just discussed that that perspective undoes, it's it's it, it works really well if you're entrenched within a checklist theology. And if you're entrenched within legalism, but it doesn't really lead to any kind of heart transformation No. in not thinking beyond what is written, what I just wrote to you about being puffed up against one another. And the new revised standard puts it like this. 
all that that you said about them being divided, I've applied all this to Apollos and myself for your benefit, brothers and sisters, so that you may learn through us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond what is written, so that so that none of you will be puffed up in favor of one against the other. The New Revised makes it way more clear. Yeah, and it well, makes more sense in terms of application because that is an application that we can apply to ourselves. Just because I go to this church over here and we have this preacher who goes and preaches or talks at these lectureships or who has published these books or whatever else, that doesn't make me a better Christian than you. That doesn't make me a better equipped Christian than Kevin Pendergrass because he's a filthy Episcopal or Episcopalian <laughs> now. You know, it's... I've got I've got what, dual membership. You know, I've still got membership. membership in the Churches of Christ and the Episcopal Church. You're my buddy Kirsten. Kirsten, I love you. He's both a Canadian citizen and an American citizen. <laughs> it works out well. But it but no, well, it, it, it makes far more sense and it it's so much more applicable. Be humble. Well Don't and, and get puffed and, up. And I for, and you know this is one of those things where I can get so excited I actually forget some of the best text that it, it really you know I, <laughs> explain the point I'm making. I forgot to go all the way back to First Corinthians three because I just started in First Corinthians four. I went I started in First Corinthians one, but if you look at First Corinthians three, verse eighteen, right before Paul says it, he actually says what he's talking about, what he is writing about. He says, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future are all yours. You are of Christ and Christ is of God. And that's when he goes on to say, we are but mere servants. So what does he say? He is saying, do not go beyond what I have written about human leaders. Do not think. And he even uses the word, no more boasting about human leaders. And and that's why I think it's it's interesting that Paul does quote from the Old Testament here. And that's why some say, well, he is alluding though, right, to some of the Old Testament. Sure he is. If anything, if you're going to take this to say anything, well, it would be, don't go beyond the Old Testament. <laughs> you know, don't, it'd be wrong to go. But he's not saying don't go beyond the Old Testament as a canon. He's saying don't go beyond what I'm telling you about human leaders. Sure. Could he, is he pulling some of that source material from the Old Testament? Of course he is. But he's he's not saying don't be don't go beyond the Old Testament. He's saying don't be don't go beyond what I'm writing to you about human leaders. And 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 to me the point is clear. Like, I mean, this is one of those things. You know, there's some things well, that it's I clear study. now too. And yeah, I I agree. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah, it, it can be difficult at times to come to some conclusions on some texts. But it is clear Paul is saying I have written to you about uh, not thinking more than you ought uh, of your human leaders and don't think more than you ought of me. And that's what I have written. And by the way, Paul says, look at, look at 1 Corinthians 4, 6. What does he say? Read that again. Let me get it. Let me get it pulled okay. up. I just closed oh, it. Sorry, it's sorry. a minute to open. And because no, I, I wanted to make another point from this. This is one of those things, the deeper you get, you know, I, I'm, I, 
the more I go, man, the more hyped I get about this stuff. But I wanted I wanted to read this one more time to make it make one little one little point. Let me pull um, it up here. I'm I'm pulling it up on my phone. It's going to pull up faster here than if I pull it up on my laptop. So give me okay. one second. I can't type and talk at the same time. I'm terrible at that. All right. He says in verse six, I have applied all this to Apollos and myself for your benefit, brothers and sisters, so that you may learn through us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond what is written, so that none of you will be puffed up in favor of one against another. Yeah. So that that puffed up against one another is the theme that you can really see. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 1. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, specifically verses 18 through 23. And, and really, I mean, he specifically says it in verse uh, verse 21. So then no more boasting about human leaders. And then it, he ends in 1 Corinthians 4. So this is the thread of thought that Paul, that Paul has. Um, it's not the canon of the scripture. And even if someone wants to argue that it is talking about a canon, it would be the canon of the Old Testament because he does earlier quote from the Old Testament but he's not saying that the canon of the Old Testament, you know, we cannot go beyond it because he himself would be in sin by going beyond the canon of the Old Testament. If that's what he's saying. So it's the same argument applies um, either way that that could not be. Paul's not talking about the canon here. Uh, and And this has been this is one of the few verses. Christian fundamentalists use to try to teach solar scripture, to try, try to teach that trajectorial accommodation and progressive uh, theology or progression theology is 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 unbiblical because of 1 Corinthians 4. Has nothing to do with that. And this is where I call on people to, to be honest, right? I mean, look, I know it's easier for me and you because we don't have positions that we're getting paid for. You know, we're, I'm not at a church who wants me to believe 1 Corinthians 4 verse 6 is about the canon of the Bible. So it's a lot easier for me to get on this podcast and say this. Yes. But, but you know, you're a lot of ministers are at churches and this is one of their verses they use. If you go to uh, statements, faith statements, and you hear, well, we believe in the Bible and only the Bible. First Corinthians four, six is usually going to be a verse that is, is pr- a proof text for that. Yep. We, we have got to be, more honest with a text, regardless yes. of where that leads. I mean, we've got to. We 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 can still we can still be teachers and preachers, and and you know, I'm I'm not a fan of the position of ministry as a, an employment position. I don't think it's immoral, or I don't think it's sinful, or anything like that. But I think for this very reason, because churches expect people to teach certain things about the Bible. And when we start studying in context and realize that those things are not what we say, that's when we start going to special pleading and go, well, but maybe there's a principle there. Maybe since Paul quoted from the Old Testament, we can say that we shouldn't go beyond the Old Testament, even though we are going beyond the Old Testament by going to the New Testament. Paul's point is you shouldn't go beyond the New Testament, even though Paul went beyond the New Testament. We still shouldn't do that today. I mean, it, it just when you break it down in piece by piece, there's nothing there. Well, and I can't, dude, I can't help but think about this. You know, well, it's the Old Testament. You know, we can't go beyond the Old Testament. Oh, well, okay, then let's go to Psalm 150 and have instrumental music in our worship. So, oh, no, we can't do that. That's Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, if, if, if Paul is taught, because there are some who make the argument, they go to 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul is quoting from, uh, from Job and Psalms, and they're saying, well, Paul is, is, is utilizing some of these texts in the Old Testament to make the point 
that they shouldn't go beyond, uh, you know, boasting uh, or they shouldn't boast about human leaders or be beyond, go beyond thinking um, what Paul said about human leaders and, and esteem one leader above another. Sure, that's what Paul said, but he pulled from the Old Testament source material. Yes. So if you want to say, if you want to try to overextend that argument, just like you said, Paul quoted from Psalm 94. So you would have to say, well, we can't go beyond Psalm 94. So we, you know, to, to turn the old church of Christ <laughs> argument around, you would be in sin if you don't use incense. You would be in sin if you don't use instrumental music. And it, that's not, Paul is not creating some sort of theology on scripture. He is simply establishing the fact that they were dividing over one another because they were, uh, putting too much authority into their church leaders, including they were Paul. Factional. Yeah. Paul says, quit doing that. I've written to you to stop doing that. Quit boasting about human leaders. That's what I'm talking about. Don't go beyond what I've told you about human leaders, period. That's all. That's all it is. That's all it Dude, is. That's beautiful. We need to do more episodes like this where we just take one verse and deep dive into it. We need to do this again. And I think maybe second John nine would be a good one to go with because we didn't, I mean, you, you mentioned that you touched on that earlier and we, we didn't really dive into that one. I think maybe that ought to be the next one that we do, but man, this has been a fun conversation. I've enjoyed it. And I hate to cut you off whenever you're really fired no, up. No, no, I'm you know, done, man. It's I'm entertaining. Done. I mean, I know we've said everything we wanted to say on this, but yeah, it's, it's true. We don't need to be puffed up against one another. We can make that application today. We can choose not to be factional, even across the nominational lines, because that's a lot of what we do a lot of times in the churches of Christ. Well, we follow the Bible. We belong to the church established in 8033. We're a part of the, uh, you know, the original, you know, the original church and all these other denominations. Well, here I am. I'm a member of the church of Christ and I'm proud of it. Oh, I'm a Baptist. I mean, those church of Christers over there just so legalistic in all their ways and blah, blah, blah. Whether it's denominational lines, whether it's human leaders, whether it's the perspectives that we hold, we need to maintain a sense of humility. So I think this has been a good conversation. I really enjoyed it. This has been a blast. So to our listeners, thank you so much. We appreciate all of you. I think that if you're anything like me, you learned something tonight and that this was an episode that was immensely helpful for you. We'd ask that you would share this podcast with your friends, share it on Facebook, share it far and wide. Give us that five-star review on iTunes. Um, and also be on the lookout. We're going to be giving away some books soon, and you're not going to want to miss out on that. So make sure you're yeah. a part of our podcast discussion board so that you can uh, get a free book. And, they're and, and good books. eventually, whenever my book comes out, if you do get uh, a copy, all this information is going to be in a footnote in that book. <laughs> a 50 minute conversation it's a footnote in the book guys the rabbit hole goes deep and i'm telling you you're gonna love this book and we're gonna be giving away some copies of kevin's books too so thank you all so much we appreciate all of you and we bid you all a good day